0: This is Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm back for yet another episode to talk about what you care about most in the world of college sports. We are coming down the stretch in February, and that means we are talking college hoops, college hoops, and more college hoops. As a reminder, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. If you like it, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, rate us, leave a comment. All of that helps, and we appreciate it if you do it. You can also find me on Twitter, at Gorgon Sports. It's where I post all my college basketball gambling picks and some other various musings throughout the week. So if you like the show, follow me there. I have a great show planned for you today. We're going to talk about the weekend ahead, of course, but first I want to tell you about some teams that caught my eye this week, and I want to start off with two teams that I view very similarly. Similarly. And those are Marquette and NC State. Now, I think Marquette is probably a tier higher, a tier better than NC State. But I view both of these teams very similarly. Both had great weeks. Both are a ton of fun to watch. I don't know if either is national championship good, but these are the kind of teams that I enjoy watching because they get up and down the court, they score, they force turnovers, and they play with a ton of energy. And to me, that's what makes college basketball fun. That's what college basketball is all about. So let's start with Marquette because I think Marquette is certainly uh, on the upper end uh, of these two teams. Marquette sitting at 13th in the net right now, so very much in contention for a 3-4 seed, I think that's kind of where they'll end up. And this week, Marquette essentially wrapped up the Big East with a 73-71 road win over Creighton on Tuesday. They now sit two games ahead of Xavier, Creighton, and Providence with three games to play. And those three games for Shaka smart squad are against three of the bottom four teams in the Big East, DePaul, Butler, and St. John's. If Marquette does not win the Big East outright, It is a major collapse, so I'm going to go ahead and crown them. I'm going to crown Marquette Big East champions. The team that was picked ninth in the league preseason is going to win the league and what an accomplishment for Shaka Smart in his second year at Marquette. What an accomplishment for this program. Uh, I can't say enough about what they've done this year. I want to get into that Creighton game a little bit more because I think it said a lot about that team. Creighton is a team that everybody, myself included, have been very high on. And going to Omaha and beating Creighton there, it's a really tough thing to do, especially the way they've been playing. We've talked on this show about the importance of Ryan Kalkbrenner to Kalkbrenner, that team and how good he's been and, you know, what what a different team they are since he returned to the lineup back uh in non-conference, they took a bunch of losses, but they've just been a completely different team since he's been back. And you know, kind of a trendy Final Four pick, and and I understand why. But Marquette went in there, and uh, they they showed a lot. They showed a lot in that victory. Tyler Kolick, oh my goodness gracious, what a performance by him in this game against Creighton. Eighteen points, six assists, four rebounds, just an unbelievable unbelievable job of creating seventh in assist rate nationally he's kind of uh, one of the engines that makes this team go more and more impressed every time i watch him uh, just the way he attacks he's kind of gotten back on track hitting three pointers this year just a huge asset for this team and it got super impressive cam jones another guy with 19 points in this game their leading scorer and that's a combination in the back backcourt That's really, really deadly, and we talk about it all the time. But in the tournament, in postseason play, it's guards, guards, guards. And Marquette has guards. Both of these guys get to the rim, can shoot threes, not a lot in the mid-range there, and they kind of play an efficient brand of basketball there. The other thing that really impressed me about Marquette in this game was their defense, which has been a bit of a question mark for them. You know, if you just go to their... Ken Palm profile and try to get a snapshot of this team, what you'll see is they have the third most efficient offense in the country, but just the 62nd most efficient defense in the country. So it's a team where offense in the dr- is the driver and defense is a bit of the weakness. But in this game, I was super impressed with uh, their defensive effort and performance, forced a ton of tur- turnovers, 15 turnovers, forced many of them, in the second half, and in that early part of the second half, uh, just hands everywhere, deflections like crazy. You know, everybody knows about havoc and Shaka Smart's full court press, and yeah, some of the the turnovers were caused by the full court press, but a, a lot were in the half court as well, and just getting hands in passing lanes. They played a zone defense at times. I was really impressed with Marquette's ability to switch defenses um, and just cause havoc for lack of a better word I guess got havoc on the brain but they were causing havoc and the thing that you kind of get concerned about or at least I do with Marquette is you know how do they defend a guy like a guy like Kalkbrenner and you know they did a great job because they just didn't let him get the ball um that's uh, I we I watch Zach Eadie a ton, you know, in the Big Ten, and I think the, at this point, the most effective way to defend Zach Eadie is not allow him to get the ball and put pressure on their young guards. Well, with Creighton, I think it might be a bit of a similar story because in this game... Kalkbrenner only put up five shots. He had 12 points. He was four or five shooting, but he only shot the ball five times. And in large part, it's because the guards were having trouble getting him the ball. Ryan Nemar six turnovers. I already called out the 15 turnovers as a team, but I think that's a, an effective strategy against Creighton is deny Kalkbrenner the ball. And Marquette did a fantastic job of that. So Marquette, kudos to them. Uh, I... Again, I'm crowning them Big East champions already. I feel comfortable doing that. They'll take care of business down the stretch here. But to me, this was a game that really caught my eyes and made me think, you know, maybe Marquette, there is a little bit more to Marquette than I might have thought. Maybe this is a team that can be a... Sweet 16, Elite Eight, maybe Final Four. If you squint, if the matchups fall right, if maybe there's an upset here or there, maybe this is a team that could go to the Final Four. And... You know, they played Purdue early in the season. They lost to Purdue. It was a close game. But this is the kind of team that I actually think could pro- provide Purdue with a real issue where you know they are putting pressure on those young guards. They're not letting Zach Eady get the ball. And uh, they make it that kind of game. They're getting up and down the court. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a high, higher possession game. And Purdue can't quite keep up with them. Now, the first time around they played... Edie did what Edie always does. He had 20 points on eight, 8 of 11 shooting. He had 13 rebounds. Just another ho-hum Zach Edie performance. They did only turn the ball over six times in that game. But I think that was a very different Marquette team than what we see now. And, I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that matchup again at some point, maybe in a Sweet 16 as a 1-4 match. But I think if that were to happen, I would take Marquette. So Marquette, to me, you know their defense might come back to haunt them at some point if they can't get turnovers. They are a team that's going to allow the, their opposition to shoot a pretty high percentage from the field, but when they're forcing turnovers, it makes up for that. And it, it, that defense, I think, will get them in some point. I don't think this is a national championship team, but winning the Big East is, is a hell of an accomplishment. Uh, they look like they're going to get a top four seed in the tournament. And I think this is a team that is definitely second weekend material. I see them kind of as a Sweet 16, Elite 8 team. The other team that I kind of see in the similar vein, but maybe a tier below, is NC State, the Wolfpack. What a week for NC State. For the 11th time in 29 games. NC State put up 80 or more points as they beat Wake Forest 90 to 74 earlier this week. That follows up a big win over North Carolina and in that in-state rivalry. And I talked about on the Sunday show that Jarkel Joyner was having a great week. He was one of my winners of the week. Well, what did he do? He had a triple-double against Syracuse. He followed that up with a 29 performance. Point performance against Carolina. And then what did he do as an encore for that? Oh yeah, just another 29 points against Wake. Unbelievable performance for him. And when I look at this team now, you know, when you think NC State, you think they're Quavion Smith. And now Jarkel Joyner and Smith are this dynamic duo in the backcourt where you kind of kind of you start to think this is one of the best backcourt duos in the country. And again, the NCAA tournament postseason is all about guards. It's a guards game. We talk about it all the time. Dr. Quavion Smith has done nothing this year but score in double figures every game except for one. And the emergence of Joiner here down the stretch, I think, just makes this a more dynamic team, you know, gives them a bit more of a curveball. That's one of the things I look for with teams. It's like, if your fastball is not on, what's your curveball? And Jarko Joyner is a hell of a curveball. He's a hell of a changeup to Terquavion Smith. So I love this guard combination. I think they're a ton of fun to watch. Like Marquette, they get up and down the court. They force turnovers. They play a fun brand of basketball to watch. If I just had to sit down and watch a team, I would choose to watch them. That weight game was awesome. I love that style of basketball. I love that style of play. No, they're not the greatest defensive team in the world. But again, like Marquette, They forced turnovers. They forced 14 against Wake. To me, this is a team where their ceiling is, I think, the second weekend. If I think Marquette's ceiling is making a run to the Final Four, but more likely a second weekend team, I see NC State as kind of a second-round team with a sweet 16 Elite Eight ceiling here. But I am very curious to see once the ACC tournament betting odds come out because I am quite interested in potentially putting down an NC State to win the ACC tournament bet. The ACC is really an utter mess right now. Virginia, the team that I bet on, the team that I was pretty confident was going to win this league, I was pumped to get at plus 160 earlier this year. Well, they dropped a the game, to BC, a pivotal game in the ACC title race. They are now tied with Miami in the loss column. Miami's actually played one more game, so Miami's a game ahead of Virginia in the win column. Miami has that tiebreaker over Virginia uh from beating them earlier this season. Miami ends the year with Florida State and Pitt. Pitt still in it too. Pitt I have the the big bet on the the high uh when i say big bet i mean the the high odds the long shot bet on uh got that one at plus 1200 so that they might have a chance there to still knock miami off but my point being virginia is not looking great right now uh miami looks good miami looks like it's probably the best team in the conference but you know depending what the odds are, I mean, I don't see much difference between Miami, Virginia, Pitt, Clemson, NC State, Duke. I mean, I think I w- Miami looks the best to me right now. I would probably put NC State second in that group, uh, followed by Virginia and Duke, maybe. But it's it's wide open, and if I can get something like, I don't know, even, let's see, like 4-1 to one on NC State, I think that might be something worth my while interested to see what that looks like when it comes out and you know for whatever it's worth sometimes I think this stuff matters sometimes I don't but NC State is a team that always seems to perform well in the ACC tournament it's like a it's a program where where that's kind of Seems important to them. It's in Greensboro. They'll have a huge fan base there. Uh, they, they always have seemed to perform well in Greensboro. I spent many a year going to the Greensboro Coliseum to watch the ACC tournament. And NC State always showed up. Their fans always showed up. Uh, you know, it's over many different coaching staffs, over many different players, many different years. It seems like it's a, con- a constant that NC State shows up and values the ACC tournament. So I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on that. But two of the most fun teams to watch over this week, Marquette and NC State. And I want to hit on a couple other teams that are a little different. Now, Texas A&M is the third team I want to talk about here, and they are extremely different. They are not a run-and-gun, get-up-and-down-the-court team, but they are a damn good basketball team. They pick up a huge win over tennessee earlier this week and texas a&m is now one of the hottest teams in the country following that win over the volunteers 68 to 63 they've won six in a row since losing to arkansas at the end of january they haven't lost in the month of february yet and if you look at BartTorvik.com, great website, love it, very similar advanced analytics site to Ken Palm, since February 1st, a six-game span, they are the number five team in the country in Bart Torvik's metric T-rank, and they are doing it because they get to the free-throw line. They are second in free-throw rate nationally over that time. Their point guard, Wade Taylor, Unbelievable. Against Tennessee, went to the free throw line seventeen times. I am falling in love with this Texas A and M team. I just think they are a damn good team at this point, and I have that big twenty six to one bet to win the SEC on a Texas A and M. And coming up here, they sit a game behind Alabama in the SEC stand in the SEC standings, uh, and then they will. Play Alabama at home on the final in the final game of the regular season. They have Mississippi State and Ole Miss on the road, so two games they'll be favored in, but they are road games. Uh, road games are always tough, although maybe not as much so in the SEC as a conference like the Big Twelve or the Big Ten, where home home court advantage seems to mean a little bit more than it does in the SEC. Catch my pun there. I hope you did, but. Uh, yeah, A&M, they are, are having themselves quite a year, and it's unbelievable I'm falling in love with this team because they are a team last year that I thought the all the whining and crying about not getting in the tournament was ridiculous when they lost some bad non-conference games to, to uh, Murray State and Wofford earlier this year. I thought, here we go again, they're going to be could stay kept out of the tournament and crying and complaining but you know I think I'm a big believer non-conference has to matter but you know what Texas and m has done anything and everything you could have asked to put those non-conference losses behind them and and they are playing unbelievable offensive basketball right now some really good defensive performances too but their ability Wade Taylor's ability to get to the free throw line is the thing that is just unreal to me. And the thing that I love about this team, and I mean, if you can get to the free throw line in close games, I mean, it helps. It, it, you're going to win a lot of close games if you're able to get to the stripe. Other guy I got to call out from that Tennessee game is Julius Marble. Great game by Julius Marble. 21 points, nine rebounds. He seemed like he was everywhere in that game. And uh, I, I think it's pretty clear at this point. I have no problem saying it. I think Texas A&M is, is the better team than Tennessee. So A&M, a team that really caught my eye this week. You know, I did the bonus episode early, earlier this week talking about the, the Alabama and Brandon Miller situation. I'm not going to get all into it again. I, uh, here today, I kind of said my piece on it. Um, so, you know, I just, I know we're talking about a&M and them facing off with Alabama to end the season. Uh, so just a note that if you, if you want to hear my thoughts on the Brandon Miller situation and, and what Nate Oates said earlier this week, go back and listen to the last episode that, that I put out earlier this week. The last team I want to call out tonight is a team that came up with a big road victory on Thursday night. The Penn State Nittany Lions recording this show just a few minutes after that Penn State-Ohio State game ended. And what a huge road win for Penn State. And what a week it's been for Jalen Pickett. I mean, against Illinois and Minnesota in two wins, Jalen Pickett put up 41 points against Illinois, 32 points against Minnesota, And then after that, in tonight's win against Ohio State, 23 points, got in foul trouble early, didn't have many early in the game. I think think he only had like four, either two or four in the first half. I can't remember the exact number offhand, but let's just say it was not a lot of points. Seth Lundy stepped up big time in the first half, putting up 19 points. He had 14 of those in the first half, and uh, for Penn State, you know, it's really been, they play slow and it doesn't look like they're giving up a lot defensively, but defense is their weakness. They kind of, their pace hides it in some of their box scores. You're looking at it, you're like, oh, okay, they won seventy five, seventy one. 71, Ohio State was getting kind of what they wanted offensively, uh, 1.29 points per possession for them. But Penn State's offense, once again, was good enough to make up for it. And Penn State, a team sitting on the outside of the NCAA tournament, looking in, now has a very interesting three-game stretch to end the season. They have three quad one games remaining. They have Rutgers at home. Northwestern on the road and then Maryland at home to end the season. They currently sit at uh, eight and nine in the big 10 to me. I think if they can get to 10 and 10 with who those final three are against. So if they go two and one uh, in that, in those last three, I think they're a tournament team. I think the biggest hole in their resume right now is their quad one record and uh, their quad one and two record and, and, you know how they've performed against kind of the best of the best in the country and it's a uh, it, as far as Quad One goes they they're 2 and 7 quad 2 4 and 4 so overall 6 and 11 against quad's 1 and 2 10 and 0 against quad's 3 and 4 i think if they could Win two of those three, get to four and eight against Quad One. I think that would be a huge boon to them. They're sitting at fifty-seven in the net. Two wins would bump up that net. I think a, a decent bit there. But it's it's all going to come down to. I mean, it's either can their defense step up, or can their offense continue to overcome their defense offensively? I mean, they take care of the basketball. Nobody turns the ball over less at, percentage-wise, than Penn State in the country. 13% turnover percentage. Great job taking care of the basketball. They shoot 39% from three as a team. I mean, those two things together will keep you in a lot of games, but defensively... They really, really struggle, and we saw it again tonight, giving up 71 on 1.29 points per possession to Ohio State, a team that's three and 14 in the Big Ten. And Ohio State, you know, does have a decent offense, but uh, it's they're still not a great team. But kudos to Penn State for getting the win on the road, setting up a very interesting stretch run here. If they do get in to the tournament. Jalen Pickett is a guy you are going to want to watch. He is, to me, one of the three locks for Big Ten first team, along with Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis. One of the most impressive players I've seen all year. Saw him in person when he came to College Park. Didn't have a great game. But, I mean, there were times he's a point guard. And there were times where Maryland was playing him with a power forward because he's that big and strong, and he has the ability to post up. You've got to do a lot of different things to defend him. He can beat you a lot of different ways, and uh, he I think he's one of the best players in the country. So watch out for them if they make the tournament. I, I think they also have a chance to potentially make a run in the Big Ten tournament, but I think ultimately their defense limits them from doing anything really major in in the NCAA tournament if they are able to sneak in, but going to be a very interesting three-game run down the stretch here for the Nittany Lions. And they aren't the only ones with an interesting three-game stretch here because we as college basketball fans have a hell of a three-game stretch on Saturday. We have Texas going to Waco to take on Baylor. We have St. Mary's at Gonzaga, and then we have almost as an afterthought here, Indiana going to Mackey for a rematch with Purdue after getting the win earlier this season at Assembly Hall. Let's start with Texas and Baylor. Ken Palm has this at Baylor as a two-point favorite here. Texas tied atop the Big 12 with Kansas at 11-4. Baylor two games back at 9-6. Texas needs to win this game and then win again on the road at TCU to potentially set up a winner-take-all matchup for the Big 12 regular season crown against Kansas. They have Kansas at home on the final Saturday of the regular season. Would be one hell of a day. If we can get that matchup, it would be a lot of fun. Uh, but the Longhorns, they got to go to Waco and get through Baylor first. And this is an important game for both of these teams for seeding purposes, too, when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Per BracketMatrix.com right now, Texas is a two-seed. Baylor is also a two-seed. So could be finagling for... You know, I think Texas still has a chance to to sneak onto that one seed line. Could be finagling for who has the higher number two seed. Uh, Could come down to potential regional preferences. Although, I believe after looking at it last week, for the Texas teams, there's not a region, as far as the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 goes, that's really so appealing when you have Vegas, uh, Louisville, Kansas City, in New York City as the four regional sites. So maybe not too important there, but it might come down to you know can one of these teams get the top number two seed? So you're facing matched up with the last number four seed. Uh some certainly some implications there. And for Texas, still the possibility of winning a Big 12 title and getting on that one seed line. So a lot of stake at stake this weekend in Waco. These two teams did face off earlier this year in Austin the longhorns came away with the 76-71 win. Baylor coming off a tough couple game stretch here. Back-to-back losses on the road to Kansas and Kansas State. Games where they, you know, looked good early, had had leads and then those leads slipped away. And with Baylor, it was the defense in, in both of those games. Once again, nobody questions that they can score. Nobody questions the offensive talent of Adam Flagler, Keontae George, and LJ Cryer. Probably the best trio of guards for my money in the country. I think I'd put them up against a, just about anybody from an offensive perspective. But defensively, they are struggling right now. Uh, we talked a at length about Kansas's win putting up 55 second half points against them. Didn't talk much about the Kansas state game, but you know, a a fairly similar story there, 44 points for Kansas state in the second half. Um, Keontae Johnson, 25 points, Marquise Noel, 14 points for the Kansas state Wildcats. And I think that at the end of the day, the question, It's just going to come down to, can Baylor get it figured out defensively? I thought they were turning a little bit of a corner. I thought that the slower pace was helping them a bit. But after these last two road games, it's tough to see them, at least on the road, getting it figured out defensively. Now, fortunately for them, the NCAA tournament isn't played at home, but it also isn't played on the road. And so it's somewhere in the middle and we're going to find out, I think come big 12 tournament time, you know, how well that translates for this weekend, despite the struggles on the road, the last two games, I think the offensive talent is too much. I think this is a buy low spot on Baylor following two losses where they performed really well offensively. Uh, I think this is one of, if not the best offensive team in the country. And I think they will get a win based on that offense and based on the fact they're playing at home even though texas is still fighting for that number one seed give me baylor if it's minus two i'll take minus two i'll probably take it up to minus three three and a half i don't think i'll go to four maybe four 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 is probably my upper limit there baylor minus minus four is my upper limit i'd really prefer it at baylor minus two but that should be a good one i think that is the game on saturday that features that that most likely features two elite eight teams uh or or better elite eight or better teams so that is a uh, that to me is the game of the weekend the second game that i'm looking forward to is that late night game saint mary's and gonzaga and i'm still offended for the gales i am very offended for the gales that Gonzaga was ahead of them in the top 16 reveal. That on many of these bracketology sites, Gonzaga is ahead of them on Bracket Matrix. Their average seed for Gonzaga is 3.85. The average seed for St. Mary's, 5.11. So basically, a, a full seed line behind Gonzaga, even though St. Mary's is leading that conference. Even though St. Mary's has beat Gonzaga already. Even though. In Ken Palm, Saint Mary's is ahead of Gonzaga. So I am still I'm still offended for these Gales here. Even though in the net, the NCAA's official metric, Saint Mary's is number eight, Gonzaga is number ten. Now I know you're gonna point to Gonzaga's four four and four quad one record versus St. Mary's two and one, and to that I say, whoop de doo. I doesn't seem that meaningful to me. They're 8th. St. Mary's is 8th. Gonzaga is 10th. I don't get it. Use your own metric. But that's neither here nor there. St. Mary's has a chance to go into Spokane and, you know, show them, show Gonzaga, uh, show the committee, show everybody that this is their conference this year. They are the best team in the conference. And uh, and then they don't really have to worry about it. A super Gonzaga should be no No doubt no questions asked put them ahead of Gonzaga and should put them in the top 4 like i'm still very much questioning why they are not in the top 4 i would absolutely just off the top of my head here looking at some of the teams that are ahead of them i'd put them ahead of miami i'd put them ahead of yukon i'd put them ahead of indiana um i think i would put them i don't understand Virginia right now being a three seed I don't I don't love Virginia being a three seed at all I think that's a team I mean 21 in the net they're four and four I don't see you four and four is like against quad one is this number where it's like oh you gotta put them in the top 12 teams in the country just because they were leading the ACC so I'd put them ahead of Virginia as well huge opportunity for St. Mary's And St. Mary's is kind of the opposite of a lot of the teams we've talked about today. They are all defense all the time. That's what Randy Bennett teams have always been known for. The last time these two teams squared off, St. Mary's won in overtime, 78 to 70, held Gonzaga to exactly one point per possession. Drew Timmy had a big day. He had 23 points in that game. And that is kind of that's the one thing that concerns me with St. Mary's. Is how do they stop a big man? And you know, I think the last time around they really didn't. So I don't know if Timmy can go off even more than he did the last time. Maybe create a little bit more for for some of his teammates if they're if they're bringing the double. But on the offensive end for St. Mary's, it's their guards. It's Adam Mahaney he has been the guy for them and then logan johnson i've called him out on an earlier episode when he was having when he was on an absolute hit tear having a, uh, on a huge hot streak and he's kind of back on one again because uh last week against BYU last saturday against BYU he had 27 points on 12 of 17 shooting a super efficient 27 points those guards i really like and I mean, I I'm just broken record here in the tournament. It's guards, guards, guards. I'm not gonna bet St. Mary's on the road here. I don't think I'll bet this game at all. But I'm I want to see how St. Mary's reacts on the road at Gonzaga. Gonzaga, uh, per Ken Palm, will be a two point favorite in this game. Final game I want to talk about today is the Hoosier State rematch, Indiana. Going to Mackey to take on Purdue. Purdue, team that is, you know, maybe feels like if there's a team that could lose their grasp on a number one seed, it, it could be them. Uh, they've taken a few losses here. They don't look quite as invincible as they once did, losing two in a row to Northwestern and Maryland, losing three out of four uh, to Indiana, Northwestern, and Maryland. But all three were road games. All three of those were road games. They had a get-right game, 82-55 win over Ohio State, and now they take on their in-state rival once again. And if there is any chance for Trace Jackson Davis to win Big Ten Player of the Year, he needs to come up big in this one. The last time, both of the two stars, Zach Eadie, And Trace Jackson Davis had huge games. Edie with 33 points, 18 rebounds. Just what Zach Edie does, 33 and 18. And Trace Jackson Davis, 25 and 7. Again, that's a little low on the rebounding totals for him. But uh, his team, the Hoosiers, came out on top in that one. And we'll see if they can do it again in Mackie. I... Uh, at Purdue, I think this is uh, going to be a little bit of a different story. Purdue forced sixteen turnovers last time, uh, last time out, including five. Zach Eady, I, I kind of forgot about this. Zach Eady had five of those turnovers. They they forced a, they forced a, him to turn the ball over a bunch, and I, I just think there's a different comfort at home for Purdue. I think this is a a big game for them. It's a, it's a rematch. It's an in-state rivalry. They don't want to lose their grip on that number one seed. I think Edie, honestly, I, he kind of outplayed Jackson Davis last time out, outside of the turnovers. I mean, he was just as consistent as he always is. I think the big question for Purdue right now is what else are they going to get outside of Zach E? There's never a question if Zach Eady is going to show up, but it's what else are you going to get outside of Zach Eady? Is uh, Is Braden Smith going to be able to give you some points? Is Fletcher Lawyer going to be able to give you some scoring? You know, they're, they're young guards. They're good guards. We've talked ad nauseum about them this year, and at first I wasn't sold on them, and then I said, ah, I think I am sold on them, and then Maryland and Northwestern turned them over a bunch, and it seems like that really is their... Their Achilles' heel is, you know, putting is putting pressure on those young guards and and making them panic a little bit. I think that's a lot easier to do on the road when you have the crowd behind you than it is at Mackey. And I don't think Indiana's guards. Like I don't really think that's Indiana's game, anyway. Uh, I I think I I don't think their guards. If I had to rank their guards in, in terms of their ability to pressure the ball handler. Create havoc on defense. They would not be towards the top of the Big Ten. I like Purdue in this game. Per Ken Palm, this is going to be a nine-point Purdue will be a nine-point favorite. That seems a little high to me. Uh, I think six and a half. I would take it. I would take Purdue minus six and a half. I don't think I six and a half to seven. As high as I would go, nine seems just just a bit too high for me however i do like purdue to get the win i don't think you can do the same things to them in Mackey that you can do to them on the road for indiana i do want to talk about indiana a bit here because they fell at michigan state earlier this week uh they fell they've lost two out of two out of three they fell at northwestern they're a different team away from assembly hall i feel like this is the same thing You can say about every team in the Big Ten is, yeah, they're a different team at home than they are on the road. I say it about my own team, Maryland, all the time, but they are a different team away from Assembly Hall. I think you're going to see that different team. My question with them continues to be, what Jalen Hood Shafino are you gonna get? Because he is a guy that when he is on and scoring for them, it gives them a completely different dimension. But there are some games, the Maryland game comes to mind where he goes one of fourteen from the floor, scores three points, and it's like, who on this team can possibly score besides Trace Jackson Davis? Now he he's been he hasn't been efficient recently, but he's taken a lot of shots and he's been scoring, but not in a super efficient manner. Can he be more efficient down the stretch here? I think it's huge for them. And then it's like which of these other guys, Trey Galloway, Miller, uh, Tamar Bates can step up. I honestly view these teams as fairly similar, but I actually trust that Purdue supporting cast of Smith and lawyer more than I do the supporting cast of Indiana. And then I think Zach Eadie, look, this is nothing taking nothing away from trace Jackson Davis, but I do think that Zach Eadie is the more reliable threat between those two. They are both superstars. They are both locks for first team, all big 10. They are both first team, all Americans. I would have them one, two in my national player, of the year discussion. I love both these players. I give the slight edge to Zach Edey though, and I give the I give the edge to Purdue's supporting cast. I trust them more than Indiana's supporting cast. I trust Purdue at home. I think they are a different team at home. I think Indiana is a different team on the road. I cannot wait to sit down Saturday. And watch all these games. It's going to be a ton of fun. A little bit of housekeeping here. I'm putting my football conference recaps, season and reviews on hold until after basketball season is done. I always say I'm here to talk about what you care about most in the world of college sports. Right now, all the feedback I'm getting is hoops, hoops, hoops. It's what matters right now. We are so close to March Madness. We're so close to the conference tournaments. We're going to stick with hoops through the NCAA tournament. And then it'll give us a good chance to get back into football a bit once spring ball starts can have some idea of what's going on in spring ball. If any big news is happening there. So I'm going to put those on hold. If you like the big 12 review, just hold tight until after the NCAA tournament, and then we'll get back to those. Another piece of housekeeping, no show this Sunday, not going to be able to do a Sunday recap show for this big weekend. Unfortunately got some other conflicts, but after, but starting next week, We are going to be hitting the ground, running through the NCAA tournament. We will have a ton of content coming out for you throughout the last couple weeks here of the regular season into conference tournament week and then all the way through the NCAA tournament. So stay tight. Stay tuned. Can't wait to break it all down with you. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.